stadiums hosted a lot of pretty amazing events, Champions League football and heavyweight boxing matches and lots and lots of music concerts, some of the big artists in the world. But I think we've all been bowled over actually by the scale of what we've now got ourselves involved with Nitro Circus. So we're really, really pleased to have the first major world event outside the US to be in Cardiff and in Wales. I just think it's great for the Welsh people. Could the Nitro World Games be the most spectacular event ever held at the Principality Stadium? Welcome to the Principality Welsh Rugby Union podcast. Nitro World Games co-creator Travis Pastrana is excited to be bringing the turbocharged event to the stadium. When we moved outside of the U.S., it was not something that was taken lightly. It wasn't just, oh, that's a great venue, or that this is an amazing facility uh, here and an amazing country. So I couldn't be more excited. Wales well, under-20s finished the group stages with a win. Here's coach Gareth Williams. Really pleased that we came through it, and you know the scoreline looks comfortable. We was far from that, and lots of credit to Fiji, what they brought to that game. The try-scorer Tommy McFell was also relieved. Fair play to the boys on the way we closed out the game. Um, we knew it was going to be a challenge in the final game of this group stage, so credit to the boys as well for hanging on and uh, getting a good win. This sounds a great atmosphere out in Argentina, so we'll hear more from there later as Wales now prepare to face New Zealand at the next stage. However, we'll start with what could just be the most spectacular event ever at the Principality Stadium when the extreme sports event, the Nitro World Games, comes next year. We'll hear in a moment from co-creator Travis Pastrana on what we can expect. But first, WRU Group Chief Executive Martin Phillips explains. We've announced that we're going to have the Nitro Games here next bank holiday, actually, in 2020, so 23rd and 24th of May. First time the event's been outside the US, and we've all been doing our research and finding out more about it, so it's a pretty sort of high-octane, stunt-driven event across two days so they'll have the semi-finals on the Saturday and then the finals on the Sunday I'm listening to the riders there just now and I guess the thing they're excited about is that they kept talking about that it's not out in the elements so just chatting with them they've never done a sort of big stadium with a roof which I thought they would have done they have stadia like that in the US but they've never actually done it so they're pretty confident they'll be setting all sorts of world records and trying things they haven't been able to try before yeah pretty exciting how exciting is it to host the first one outside of the US as well? Yeah, I think excited but proud as well because I think that you know the stadium obviously is something we focus on quite a lot and there's been, uh, as we all know, you know whether it be music or football or boxing, you know we've probably got to the top really in terms of the scale of event we could do in those sports. So to get a completely different event, not a particularly UK-centric event either. So I think it'll be new to Europe, not just Wales and the UK, and a really different audience as well. So. Apparently it's a sort of very family audience, quite a teenage element to it, and then lots of, as they would call it, petrol heads. So there's, you know, they've got quite a big following in that sense. So they're expecting people to holiday around it. So in effect, you know, people from the US will come, have a couple of weeks in Europe, built around attending the event in Cardiff. And having met the people, seen the stunts this morning, are you looking forward to it? Yeah, I was... Um, when you see it up close, it's obviously quite... It is quite daunting when you see what they do, but I've been assured that this is just a bit of a, a dummy run and nothing like the real thing so they're saying you know the sort of ramps and so on will be significantly bigger and then they go for a guy flying through the air 100 meters and so on so I think yeah you know probably not something I would have ever contemplated watching but now having seen it 
up close, you could, you know, I can see the attraction of, of wanting to come and see it. First event here was the Wales South Africa Rugby. Second event here was Patonk. Right. The stadium's moved on an awful lot since then, hasn't it? Yeah, and, and you know the sort of phrase I used was the forefathers. You know, the people who designed the stadium like this 20 years ago. And to think it's, you know, even now today, it's at the forefront and can put on any event, really. And we were chatting earlier about, you know, it was probably financially very challenging to do it. And it would have been easy to just think about the roof as a good idea, but not to do it and to sort of follow through and have the foresight to put the roof on. We're reaping the benefits of that today, really. But more we can do, you know, we know this is probably only going to be used 25, 30 days a year. So, you know, it's a very big and powerful asset that we can just continue to use more and more. But also not forgetting we're, you know, we're a rugby organisation and having the road to the Principality here and getting 30-odd games in in a week across all sorts of parts of the game in Wales as well. So it's just trying to make sure we always get that balance right. Travis, just describe what this venue will do for you as a, as a place to come. Yeah, I, when we walked in here, we're like, this is absolutely amazing. We have so many indoor venues that we can go to, but they always, the roof height. We literally, we can't bring in our really big ramps that we use for outdoors. But when you go outdoors, you lose a little bit of um, that environment that where people feel like they're right on top of everything. And as well as you bring in the environments, which, you know, if you had a five mile an hour headwind or tailwind or anything that's different, it really affects the, the trick. So just more things for the riders to think about. They know they can come here. And they can bring 110% their best tricks they've ever done, and they're not going to be affected by outside elements. So this stadium was built for action sports. And to have just that camaraderie from, you know, you can have every event right here is really cool. For the, you know, the scooter guys are going to be cheering on the moto guys, the moto guys will be cheering on the BMX guys, and the skate guys will see everything. And it's just, it's a really awesome environment, something that we haven't had since like the Nitro Circus shows, but to have that when the guys are pushing to do stuff that's never been done before is going to be just outstanding. So first show outside of the U.S. was coming here, one of the reasons why you moved it from the U.S. or moved this? You know, a huge reason was, was this venue, obviously, and to have it right in the, the middle of the city and in Cardiff, this is, you know, there's a lot of sporting heritage here, but, but also for me, one of the biggest things was we realized that anywhere we went, and we started in Utah, which is, um, you know, the state of sport for U.S., and you have all Olympic facilities there, you have great downhill mountain biking you got motocross tracks and car racing tracks and everything's right there coming over here this is where i started driving rally cars actually in sweet lamb just not too far from here uh you know you got the red bull the cliff diving the you got surfing you got mountain biking uh adventure sports this is something where you know when i bring my family over everyone's going to be excited to come over here and you'll see a lot of the action sports guys and the guys that travel from all over the world to come to see this i mean this is going to be where the tricks are that have never been done before like if you're an action sports enthusiast you're coming here next spring to watch this. Yeah, this is the Olympics for action sports. It's, it's Olympics of big air. It's stuff that just blows people's minds. And to bring a family over, I, I know as a father with two girls that, you know, it, it has to be a place that is action sports friendly. And this is definitely that place. With these sports, um, you know, obviously Europe is is new territory for action sports. I shouldn't say new. Um, you know, you have some amazing, uh, some riders, but, and actually a huge scooter following, especially in, uh, in the UK. But, you know, it's definitely a, a new area. Um, I feel like we've gotten amazing support from the community around here already. And uh, with the year, I think we're going to be able to bring in people from everywhere, and especially uh, even London and then the rest of the UK. It's going to be, I'd imagine, we'll pack the house. And also, I was interested, you mentioning the idea there's so much within a few miles of here that an adventure enthusiast can go and enjoy. Yeah, without a doubt. And that's, 
when we moved outside of the U.S., it was not something that was taken lightly. It wasn't just, oh, that's a great venue or that's a you know a great city. That this has to be somewhere that you know people can travel from all over and you know be able to participate and have some fun and bring the family. So I think this is an amazing facility uh, here and an amazing country. So I couldn't be more excited. Reaching out, there's especially in Europe, a lot of the the roof heights are fairly small. Um, we can't bring in a lot of the the big ramps, so we we like to you know we have to do outdoor venues and you know being in Salt Lake, the elevation was so high. We said okay, like here's a couple things we really we look for. We look for an action sports enthusiast country. We look for big uh, sports heritage. We look for someplace that's lower in altitude, hopefully, so the motorcycles are faster. Something that you don't think about, but is, uh, is very important for trying to progress the sport as far as we can. And we want a huge venue that's also capable of being indoors, and you guys had everything. You seem to know a bit about rugby then. Um, no, well, most of my family actually played rugby. I did not, personally, but no, we spend a lot of time in Australia and uh, New Zealand, so I just have to hear them banter on about uh, who's the best all the time. So we, uh, we follow, obviously, rugby uh, league and union and everything, but uh, to come over here, you guys have an awesome team, so definitely excited about uh, maybe seeing a couple games this year. listening to the Principality Welsh Rugby Union podcast. And that's quite a recommendation. More on that event in future weeks on the Principality Welsh Rugby Union podcast. But we'll head to Argentina now, where Graham Gillespie is with the Wales under-20s, and they enjoyed victories over the hosts and Fiji, a defeat against defending champions France in the group stages, meaning they'll face New Zealand next in the battle for fifth. We'll hear from the coaches first. In a moment, defence coach Byron Haywood. But first, head coach Gareth Williams. Gareth, Fiji is always a difficult game, as you know, in these sevens, but what was that like watching? Really pleasing by the end of it. Obviously frustrating uh, throughout. I think we fell into the trap of playing into their hands a bit and I thought we took a grip of um, sections of that game really well when we could hold them in their 22. I thought you know, we really challenged them with our drive, our scrum. No, I'm really pleased to come out of it in that respect. There's a lot of learning to take from it. When we put ourselves in a good position, eight points ahead, to be able to kick on our exits from our seats, we were tending to keep them on the park, maybe going for too much length, where we could, you know, we could have possibly put them off and, and pressurise their set piece a bit more, and uh, where we were getting a lot of change. So yeah, difficult game to watch uh, overall, but you know, really pleased that we came through it and. You know, the scoreline looks comfortable, but it's far from that. And lots of credit to Fiji, what they brought to that game. Yeah, certainly whenever the game got a bit loose, they were certainly on the, on the upper hand, weren't they? Especially their right winger, who made it pay for a couple of tries. Yeah, they thrive on it, you know, yeah. and their offloads in contact is, is exceptional. Their support play is superb. But it was when we allowed the game to become loose, they grew in confidence. And when we were able to tighten it up and control things, I think we showed our quality. So, um, yeah, pleasing overall. The game plan we took in kind of paid off. Yeah, apart from some you know hairy moments which we didn't manage well ourselves, really good win to come through with. Now you pride yourself on your defence, but there were a couple of missed tackles in that first half, and they made you pay, didn't they? Yeah, we spoke about that half time, and you know Bish is very clear, and uh, you know Bish's frustration is uh, very obvious at half time, and, and rightly so. Our structure was in place, our system was in place, but uh, we just had boys falling off. 
uh, individually and at, at this level and the levels these boys want to go on and progress to and develop to, you know, that's not good enough and uh, that kept Fiji in the game to be honest so um, th that's something the boys need to learn for themselves and, uh, and take it forward from there. Saying that, that yellow card, they took 10 points out of that so that was vital just going into the half time wasn't it? Yeah it was, it took us ahead uh, from that point of view, I thought we controlled it well in decision making around the penalties, going to the corner and just keeping the pressure on uh, Fiji in that respect. You know, some work that Byron has been doing with the attack once we're in that area, to be patient, to keep faith in what we've got in that area. To speak about patience, the further the game went on, the more that your set-piece became to be a driving force, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. We are more foot in the game then, it allowed us field position and our set-piece kept us there. And, you know, Rich Kelly, to be fair, has been working really hard with the boys all through camp, start of this campaign. I think it really paid off and showed in that game, you know. But our dominance was pretty obvious in this afternoon and um, yeah, I think that saw us through. And is it pleasing as a coach that the tries are shared between the backs and the forwards? Yeah, as long as they scored, to be honest, <laughs> from my point of view. And uh, I think we left a few out there. Yeah, say that. And there were two disallowed. Plus, it was, looked like Tommy Lewis was actually foot trip for that third one that was disallowed. Uh, maybe, but I think Tommy leads with his hands there. He gets the ball grounded. Um, and it wouldn't have been an issue. So even within the game and within how pleasing it was, there's you know learnings that we could take from it. And, and yeah, we, for the next five days now, leading towards our next game, it'll be um, picking at those because we want these boys going back and having learnt those lessons. Now it could have been much harsher because we could have fallen on the wrong side of the scoreboard. But it's important not to ignore those little errors and those individual discrepancies, even though we've won, not being complacent and make sure we develop these individuals as we move through this competition. Byron, fine score, 44-28. That makes it sound like one-way traffic, but it was nothing like that, was it? No, it certainly wasn't. Uh, I think the key point was um, when we turned down a kick to kick a goal with about 15 minutes left and went for the drive and uh, they got the man in the sin bin and we managed to get seven down. I think that was the difference in that game because when the ball was in play, they were certainly the more dangerous team. Uh, as we know, that's what they uh, born and bred doing, you know, that's in their DNA and we, we know that. But um, for that win... Because often when a team goes down, they sort of raise their game, don't they? And they uh, frustrate the opposition. But when you are one man up, you actually scored 10 points in that end of the uh, first half. So that was vital, wasn't it, as you say? Yeah, it's crucial. At high level rugby, usually our statistics, I we score between 7 and 10 points when someone's in the sim bin. So it's a good learning for our boys. I think they're a bit in, uh, indecisive at times about whether they want to kick, kick or... And Fiji certainly made you pay for a couple of missed tackles in that first half, didn't it? So what was the message at half-time? Tighten up your defence? And... Yeah, I'm sure uh, Andrew Bishop, when we dropped, he, um, he did speak half-time to the boys. They were just running at spaces at inside shoulders that we were giving them and getting off those through the support play. So um, I'm sure that's something he'd be looking to address. You're saying that you did score six tries. Yeah, we did score some nice tries. Um, also, we did some forwards give them credit because they've done the groundwork. Provide the platform, um, scored a lot of tries, but we were very loose, so it's something we need to tighten up on. So, uh, looking forward now to the knockout stages, positive frame in mind? Yeah, yeah, certainly, yeah, yeah. Our intention here is to win as many games as we can and doing everything we can to be uh, four from five and finish fifth in the world. Graham Gillespie also chatted to a few of the players after the game. We'll hear from scrum half David Buckland, then fullback Ewan Davis, but first, flanker Tommy Raffel in what sounded like quite an atmosphere. Tommy, congratulations, a try scorer as well today. Thank you, well, it was a very hard game. 
think we expected it to be really hard. I know the way the Fijians play is proper rugby, and it's rugby you grow up wanting to play, and uh, a fair play to them. They, they do it really well, they keep the ball alive really well. Look at the uh, final score lines six tries, three in each half. It makes it sound like one sided, but it was nothing like that, was it? No, it was definitely not one sided, but fair play to the boys on the way we closed out the game. Um, we knew it was going to be a challenge. Looking back and doing our analysis on Fiji, they're always going to bring it to us in the final game of this group stage. So credit to uh, the boys as well for hanging on and uh, getting a good win. You mentioned Fiji and it's always an exciting brand of rugby, but people don't realise how physical they are as well, do they? No, I think everyone knows how physical Fijians are. Um, you know, they go up with it, you know, they, they play rugby since they were young, you know, they, they do everything really good technically, tackling, passing, offloading, so we didn't underestimate them at all. We know exactly how good they were individually and as a team. How important was it to uh, take advantage of that first shallow card? Yeah, it was definitely. We wanted a foothold into the game. We did that. Then we let them creep back into it. Then we got a good win in the end. In the first half, a couple of missed tackles. The Fijians certainly made you pay. Is that one area where you might look to improve on? Yeah, definitely. I think uh, overall this tournament, our defence has been pretty solid in terms of first up tackles. But I think Fiji have, uh, you know, they opened us up a lot of times. So it's up to us now to come together, lock back, and. Uh, the one from this. For days like this, do you prefer to be a flanker as opposed to a wing? Uh, no, I think, you know, I'd love to track a ball around <laughs> sometimes, but uh, sometimes you've got to try and take the game away from them and, uh, you know, and uh, not get a compete at an offloading game. And you yourself, you left uh, your mark off one PG, left their pot straight after you tackled him. Do you have your kid offense today? Yeah, um, obviously. You know, it's, it's stuff you want to work on, it's, it's things you want to do to keep improving. But um, I think like they put a big shot on one of our boys as well, so like it's a physical game all up. Dove, you guys must be delighted with that victory. Yeah, it was a really, uh, really tight game, but we come out on top in the end. We fought for full 80, unlike last week, so I'm really pleased with the boys. And of course, always good to get on the score sheet. Yeah, yeah, buzzing over that. Talk us through it. Boys uh, dominant scrum, I think, for all of the game. So I took advantage of that, they had a uh, quick penalty. And it was five five minute try. Because you had tried it before, hadn't you? So this really seconds before uh, the ref uh, pulled you back. Yeah, I tried to go with again, but uh, he pulled me back. So give it another shot. You look at the uh, score line. Six tries, three in each half. That suggests it was one way traffic, but it was nothing like that, was it? No, it was end. First half was end to end. Really pleased with the boys' efforts. Uh, third game in the tournament. Some of them had three full eighties. Yeah. So I'm really pleased with the boys. And yourself, you're getting a decent run at scrum half. You enjoying it? Yeah, really enjoying it. Hopefully. Uh, Get some more game time now, next game. Now obviously you scored uh, plenty of tries, but you've also got a calming influence at fly half in Kai Evans. Just tell us what he's like to play inside. Oh, uh, amazing fly half the outside of. He really controls the game really well, and it's a pleasure to play outside of. When it's getting tight, he's still knocking over those three points just to edging your, yeah, your you front. Yeah, uh, you can rely on Kai. Yeah, penalty any, anywhere inside, 50, 60, even 60 metres sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. A couple of the Dragons boys uh, did pretty well today, yourself, Dion Smith, notching the ball back yeah. into Johan Davis, you must be pretty chuffed. Yeah, pleased for the boys, uh, it was uh, only three Dragons boys starting today, but a few of them got on as well, and they made a really good impact, yeah. so I'm pretty pleased with Johan, congratulations, uh, good to get on the score sheet. Yeah, it chuffed really, it was a tough game, and it was a nice finish when the tries off. Now I was sitting amongst the uh, the Australian bench and they were calling you Lee Halfpenny. <laughs> That's got to be a compliment, doesn't it? Yeah, I'm sure it's, uh, it's the head guard that does it. And uh, yeah. So, so what, why do you wear a head guard? I th- I've worn it my whole life. You know, ever since I started tackling, I've always worn it. And um, 
one game left to since. And I think it was uh, see, it was a compliment because it was the way that you go into the, the defence, not thinking about your own body. You certainly felt one or two of those tackles, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. No, they were they were really physical. They, you know, they flew in hard like we expected, really, and um, we all matched the physicality really and put the shots back into them. Good day for the Cardiff Blues. Ben Warren also getting on the score sheet. <laughs> yeah, you know, he's, um, I'm sure his will be far from further distance than yours. Oh, no, I, <laughs> he says he's running uh, it from halfway. Yeah. But um, no, he was, um, he was a great force for everyone, yeah, and it was nice for, for me, Ben, and a few others to finish uh, off. Yeah, obviously, you scored six tries amongst you between the backs and the forwards. That must be a good thing as well. It shows we got strike power all over the park, you know, yeah. from 1 to 15, and um, that's encouraging for the games coming. Now, we always know that uh, Fiji pl- play a flamboyant type of game, but people sometimes forget how physical they are as well, don't they? Yeah, they, they were definitely flamboyant, you know, throwing the offloads, but as well they hit hard in defence and ran hard in attack, and um, they were really hard to deal with at times. So as a squad, what does this mean uh, going into the, the next round? We'll look back at it and um, take out the good points and the bad points and uh, try and work on those and, um, yeah, just push on. And the one thing I suppose you might be working on is the defence, because in the first half, a couple of missed tackles and Fiji end up scoring. So you'll have to shore that up going forward, won't you? Yeah, sure. It's, um, you know, it's the third game of the tournament with some tired bodies, and um, I don't think first half we were quite there defensively, so that's definitely something we'll look at and look to um, tighten up going to the next game. But how crucial was it that when they got the yellow card, you actually took 10 points off them? Because sometimes teams don't actually do that, do they? That was a really uh, good tournament point in the game. You know, we managed to pile the pressure on them and made the most of that 10 minutes. If I'm right, if I recall that, that was because uh, you took a knock to the uh, top of the head, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, it was, uh, it was a pretty big hit, but yeah. Uh, so you feeling all right? Yeah, feeling fine now, yeah, just used to it now. So plenty more from Argentina in next week's Principality Welsh Rugby Union Until then, goodbye.